TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for that paleo show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Sarah Stewart. I'm Steve Hayter. And I'm Brett Hill. So grasshoppers, locusts, mealworms, bamboo worms and crickets, what do they all have in common? Not only do they have amazing nutritional value, being a great source of protein and micronutrients, these insects are widely available and low cost financially and on the environment. In food insecure locations, edible bugs can all play a major role in preventing malnutrition in children and pregnant women. Today we are lucky enough to be speaking with Mariangela and Rudy from Bugs for Life about some very exciting work they plan to do in Benin, West Africa, where they will be involved with social and scientific research, which will centre around finding out more about the variety of insects eaten, their role in local diets and their cultural importance. To share with us about the project, we would love to welcome to the show, Mariangela and Rudy. Hi there. Thank you very much for uh, hosting us on your show. Oh, you're most welcome. We're really looking forward to having a chat with you both today. So thanks for joining us. Um, Here in Australia, guys, we're really lucky in that we have great amounts of food with a huge variety available. So it's not every day that we would consider eating bugs as a, a major food source. Um, I'm interested to know, and perhaps if we start with um, Rudy, how did you come across this concept and uh, why is it so important to you? Uh, Okay, so originally my background is in in biology and uh, entomology, uh, which I studied a master's at Imperial. And that's really where I first came across the idea of eating uh, eating insects and sort of shared some interests with other students during that time. Mainly uh, looking at the the sort of sustainability uh, benefits of of eating insects and sort of the ways of tackling problems with the inefficiency of our uh, livestock agriculture system at the moment. But that's where really Maria Angela, myself, uh, and the other two members of the team, Craig and and Laura, came together and and actually changed the focus of of our looking at insects more to areas of the world where food security is an issue and particularly uh, seasonal food security is an issue and looking at insects as a way of uh, providing low cost and more secure solutions to uh, addressing uh, problems of malnutrition particularly in in children and women but but more just in general changing the idea of using insects as a normal and very sort of obvious um, resource to to tackle quite a large uh, and growing worldwide problem. Yeah. And um, one of the things I was curious about, guys, is um, you uh, started an Indiegogo crowdsourcing campaign to raise funds in order to be able to continue this charitable project. And I know that there are a lot of uh, really great um, organizations out there that are doing charity work around making food security um, something that's a not as big an issue. But why, why was it important for you guys to direct your efforts uh, towards food security via edible insects, you know, versus what else is happening out there? I think there, in terms of food security, there's quite a lot of different aspects that can be 
that can be tackled. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, there are already a lot of projects that look at uh, crop production and uh, water issues and a huge range of things. But there's not, to our knowledge, there's not that many out there that actually consider insects. So there are other things that are important too. And it's not, we're not saying that insects solve all sorts of problems. Yeah. They're, they're, a, compl- they're a complement to other sources of food. So in Benin, for example, there's many other things that can also be done, but this is what we wanted to look at, and this is what we think we can offer. Yeah. But it would be great if um, if all efforts can be matched. We really see this as one part of a bigger picture. And so in the populations that you're doing this for, um, is I mean, they're, they're probably not, they may not be as choosy as we might be around our food, but, but are these natural food sources for them? Are these foods they would have previously eaten or are these somewhat new to them? So basically there's different ethnic groups uh, in Benin and they all have different preferences in terms of food. I mean, of course, there's some staple foods that are eaten by everybody. But for example, we're specifically working with the Wama community and they have been traditionally eating insects and that's why we've been learning from them a lot. So... So they traditionally do eat insects, but other ethnic groups don't. And there's a different perception of insects. They're, they're not seen as food, except for termites. Termites are, are eaten quite commonly across, across the region, really. Um, but, for example, we work mostly in the north, and in the south, there's other insect-eating groups. So it really is quite regional and based on uh, kind of culture. So it's kind of interesting to work across both groups. We're trying to raise more awareness in the non-insect eating groups um, around why insects are are good for people and um, to maybe change the the perception towards insect eating groups as this is sometimes negative, unfortunately. Yeah, I absolutely love that, you know, you're looking at um, multiple facets of um, of eating insects. I mean, we've been lucky enough to have a chat to some other people um, that are looking at using um, insects as a sustainable food source, and we've touched on the benefit for the environment as well as the, the health aspect, but we haven't even um, touched on the cultural importance for some people um, around this way of eating. What do you know about, like, why... Why is eating insects important to some groups? Um, well, I think uh, recently some of the work that we've been doing has been looking at the the variation of cultural traditions across Benin in particular, but looking at the, the wider context, they, they vary hugely across the world. Um, and, uh, for example, in the group that we're working with, the Wama in the, in the north Benin, uh, eating insects uh, in the traditional sense plays a very important role uh, for them during uh, the time when they grow up as children. So their main use of insects is as children between the age of 5 and 16 uh, as a sort of supplementary uh, way of getting extra snacks and extra foods during the day. Uh, particularly, it's, it's, it's quite traditional for kids and families to look after their brothers and sisters and, and sort of be left to their own accord during the day. And we found that really quite interesting that Although the adults don't as heavily practice uh, entomophagy, they all have done it as children, and that way it's passed from generation to generation. Um, But if you look at uh, some of the southern groups, which they eat a a lower range of insects, but they have much um, more established um, use of insects by the whole uh, group, so adults and children, 
And also they have even some groups which are looking into developing a trade of insects with neighboring Nigeria where uh, entomophagy is much more, more widely practiced. So I think in Benin it shows a good example of really the roots of just a very traditional approach to using insects just as a way of keeping the knowledge within a community all the way to a more modern view of insects as a product uh, where you're actually incorporating them uh, as an equivalent to something that you'd be farming. That's really interesting, isn't it? The uh, the kids typically are the ones that consume the bugs as a top-up snack. Can you uh, imagine the uh, the vacation <laughs> of Westerners over to over to West Benin and seeing kids eating that as their recess and their lunch as a as a top-up? You know, um, I find that I find that to be quite funny. Um, one of the things I was curious about, uh, guys, is that. Um, with, with in regards to the paleo and the primal community, uh, it's um, advocated to look for um, you know protein and and your meat that's lived as close as possible to um, its natural way of eating. So, for example, it's advocated for grass fed beef and things like that. And um, I was just uh, wondering if you guys have had any. Um, understanding or research into maybe what could be happening with regards to bugs as feed for livestock at all? Um, there is uh, research into it, and there's, um, there's quite a big movement actually in Europe to really push for that. The, there is a parallel push for using insects as feed for animals and for using insects for human consumption mm-hmm. because the legislation, the changes in legislation in terms of using insects for feeds should be should be a bit quicker to change than for human consumption. Mm. And once that is done, then insect production will be already kind of in place. The, the costs can decrease. And once the legislation for human consumption is fully in place um, and it will be easier to produce insects directly for human consumption, the facilities will already be in place because, you know, the production process is really the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, there's definitely a push for that. Also because a lot of uh, animals we rear do naturally eat insects, so it really makes complete sense to feed them, to produce insects and then feed it to animals. I just think there's an interesting example of um, how they farm pork in, in Spain. So they have very wide open farming of pork on uh, acorn cork forests. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the diet of those pigs, they're a very broad uh, sort of feeder but during their foraging throughout the litter undergrowth they're actually taking up uh, a large proportion of, of insects in their natural diet there mm. and uh, you get a very different taste of your meat and you're probably getting a lot closer to what is the original taste of the, the wild ancestors of, of those animals yeah. and what are the benefits from a nutritional perspective in, for both people and animals of having these insects what, what are they getting out of it that I guess perhaps they wouldn't otherwise. And, and what are the important nutrients that are, that are important for these populations to get that they're getting from the insect? Um, okay, so one of the, the groups that we were looking at are quite interested in is um, both young children and pregnant or just post-pregnancy uh, women. And so uh, one of the main um, nu- nutrients that they're lacking in is often iron. And uh, a number of insects are, are rich in iron, some, some particularly uh, rich in iron. 
but also they have a, a range of other uh, minerals that you will need in your in your everyday diet. And I think when you look at the traditional diet that's eaten in the communities there at the moment, it's heavily based upon corn and particularly corn flour with water in the dry season. And that's just a very nutritionally poor diet to have for a large period of your your year. Mm. And so I think insects, even in some quite small quantities, can provide close to your requirements of of uh, particularly the minerals that you won't be getting through uh, through corn. Mm. That's um yeah really fascinating you know and so important that everybody is afforded variety in the diets to to get the nutrition that they need for for the best health possible. Um, and I'm really interested, um, Mariangela, perhaps you can tell us a little bit. Um, obviously, you've all undertaken a huge amount of work um, already up until this point. You've uh, crowdsourced some funding and you've got um, very clear plans in place for some amazing research. What do you hope to achieve? Um, what's the end goal? I think, um, <clears throat> well, when when we were in Benin, we really had the opportunity to see an incredible traditional practice and nobody really knows about this. I mean, people know about edible insects, but for example, even just this group taught us so much and we would really, really, we would really like to um, be able to share that knowledge um, and to demonstrate how incredible um, these type of practices are. So on one side, in terms of what the world can learn from the Wama communities, um, we really think that there's quite a lot to share and we'd really like to see the body of knowledge around uh, entomophagy grow in general. Mm. But um, so that's from, you know, what the world can learn from them. In terms of the other way around, we'd really like um, to be able to bring a contribution to these communities that have really taught us so much. And uh, one of the things that we've been working on is to... Um, try to think of ways to, to, to prevent the decline of uh, the practice of entomophagy because unfortunately, although this practice has been in place for hundreds of years, um, because of certain changes in, uh, in lifestyles in recent years, it has been in decline. Uh, for example, because insect collection usually takes place throughout the day, with increasing school rates, which of course are a very positive thing in itself, mm-hmm. uh, children have less opportunities to... Uh, to hunt insects, and also there is this stigma from other groups towards insect eating. Um, it is sometimes seen as something a bit backwards and not very modern, and the country is generally aiming to modernize. Um, so we'd like to, our, our next plan is to go back to Benin and try to find ways to make insect eating still compatible with modern, well, with the aspirations of people um, nowadays and what they'd want from their lives and what they'd want in terms of how they'd like to live their lives. And so we we aim to work with the communities and find sustainable ways for this practice to keep on existing. So would you say then, uh, Mariangela, that uh, some of the attitudes held over there um, by the communities that don't, don't eat insects as much are some of the same challenges that you face in the West when talking about edible insects? We found them, yes, we found that some problems were actually quite similar um, because just as some people don't really don't 
wouldn't want to eat insects over here. Some people really don't want to eat insects over there. And there's some sort of negative perception. And we'd like to work to work on that. At the end of the day, um, people can eat whatever they want, but it would be good if uh, we just have more knowledge in general about what is in our food mm. and what, what insects are. And um, so that's one of the things that we're hoping to do. So we'd be working with schools and the hospital. We have... Um, so we have collaborations with different local organizations just to raise awareness, both amongst the insect eating groups, because some people mostly do it for tradition, but it'd be great to, to know that the tradition also has a lot of value in terms of nutrition and that it is appreciated um, in general in many areas of the world. So we'd really like for that knowledge to, feel, to you know, be shared. Yeah, and... Um... I've got a I've got a bit of a cheeky query now. So let's just say, for example, yeah. I'm completely sold on edible insects. I'm like sitting at home. I'm like, yeah, this totally makes sense. All right, cool. So I'm thinking I want to start farming them in my house and, you know, maybe roast them or, or make them into a powder in my Thermomix and make my own protein bars or something like that. How, how does somebody go about farming their own edible insects? Now, let's talk about crickets, for example. Is it, it's, is it something that anyone can do at home? Yeah, so um, I think it's a really interesting question because one of the interesting things about insects is that you can farm them on incredibly small scales. And um, I've just recently got interested in farming insects in my bedroom, so I, I have a small mealworm farm, mm-hmm. uh, partly just to look at the the difficulties of, of doing it on a small scale and also sort of the, the output of insects that you could generate if you put a good amount of effort in. Yeah. But I think what's really interesting is uh, a lot of the expertise on small-scale farming of particularly mealworms, crickets, and locusts comes heavily from quite a extended period of people keeping reptiles as pets. Oh, of course. And so when you, with this sort of, advent of being able to access almost anything online you can get quite a lot of uh informative videos or informative instructions on how to set up uh different farms of insects uh often originally from people uh keeping them for their their um their reptiles as pet food but i think uh what's also interesting there is when you when you look at a lot of these reptile uh forums they speak often about keeping your own insects, you can raise insects to a much higher nutritional quality because you know what you're feeding them. So you control what's going into them. And in that way, you can also affect the quality and and the size and the taste of the insect. Whereas if you're buying them in from a large-scale producer, uh, you never really know what what exactly the feed they're keeping them on or the densities they're keeping them at. So I think it's really a, a good way to bring people back directly in touch with their food and uh, it really is uh, worthwhile starting and having a go at. And so what is the best food for insects? I mean how do you figure out, I mean I'm I'm assuming it's as close to possible as their natural food source so how do you figure out what their natural food source is and how do you replicate that in your own environment? Yeah so um, I mean there's a lot of natural history information about uh, common insects but for example crickets tend to be uh, omnivorous so uh, they will feed on protein sources when they're available in the environment, but they're predominantly uh, plant feeders and broad plant feeders. Mm. So you can look at feeding them on a range of uh, 
certain sort of <clears throat> grasses from outside, but also they'll take a, a range of waste veg product from the garden. So a lot of people will keep them on uh, grated carrots or grated uh, zucchini. I mean, the, the the big thing when you're feeding insects is to just be careful about maintaining high levels of hygiene and avoiding uh, too much uh, contamination by, by things like funguses, which which will obviously negatively affect the insects. Mm. And um, I'm the I'm the silly one of the the group, um, Rudy and Mary Angela, and I had a bit of a giggle, and I'm really glad that you spoke about cleanliness and hygiene. I had a bit of a, a giggle thinking about um, you at your, your coffee shop or your bar or your hangout, seeing someone that you like the look of, and uh, instead of the old, do you want to come back and watch a movie? Do you want to come back and see my insect farm? <laughs> Um, that could work. <laughs> there you go. Um, so um, at the moment, um, you know, you've got uh, this huge um, project in place ready to roll out. Um, you must be super excited. How do you plan to convey the information? Um, like are you going to do a documentary or, or what's in the pipeline? So last time after the first project, we, uh, we did a report and we also did a, a documentary and we, of course, we also had pictures that we shared through our different networks. Um, this time, uh, we'd like to get, well, we'd like to do something a bit similar, but we're looking into also, um, some options. For example, um, there's a photographer which would really like to come with us and she'll be fundraising. Mm. Uh, her name is Laura Cook and she's been working in Sierra Leone. And she would like to document the more human side of insect consumption, so not just pictures of insects, but um, really what is, what is the human experience of insect eating. So I think that would be really, really lovely. And uh, in general, we're, our, one of our main objectives is to share the knowledge of um, entomophagy, really. So, yes, we'll make sure all our information is transmitted. And we also we work in the U.K., on um, public engagement. So we do quite a lot of shows and talks and science fairs and similar events on insect eating in general, not just in West Africa, but uh, around the world. And for example, what it's like here in in the UK where we're based. Um, So that's one of the other ways in which we we share the information. Yeah, I like it. And um, one of the things I think that that's um, really a good case to put forward and it just makes good logical sense is when you see the nutritional profile of, of some edible insects versus conventional sources of, say, protein and so forth, can you tell us a little bit sort of side by side what it takes to raise, you know, the the livestock and what it takes to raise uh, insects and also those nutritional profiles next to each other as well? So, for example, um, with 10 kilos of feeds, you would only get about uh, one kilo of, uh, of beef, for example, mm-hmm. at the end in terms of what you actually eat. But with 10 kilos of feed, you can get between six and nine kilos of, of, of insects, depending on which insect. So that's, that's a huge difference. I mean, it's, it can be up to nine times more. Um, and in terms of 
nutritional value, I have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all good. But one of the things I, I noticed yep. when I was reading a, a report um, that was submitted to the UN, very, very extensive, you might know it, but they were talking about all kinds of things like high fat, um, high protein, and some bugs even having as, as good of uh, omega-3 to omega-6 ratio as, as some fish. But what, one of the things that really jumped out at me is you were talking about uh, – the controlling the diet of uh, of your insects to make sure they're nutritionally superior as to what you would get from the wild. And do you think that we're going to see, you know, the gym junkie, uh, you know, drinking down on on a, a protein powder made up of, you know, nutritionally superior bugs? Is that maybe a way that we can we can introduce it to people? It's one of the yes, definitely. So it's one of the products that is uh, currently being uh, worked on. Yeah. So it's not it's not something that's on the market yet, but um, it is something that people have been talked about. So yeah, at some point it will be on our on our supermarket aisle. <laughs> you grab grab a protein bar from the from the gym, and then go hit the weights or what have you. Yeah. I think in in America particularly, yeah. uh, there's a and big you market. Jump quite for... crazy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cricket superpowers. <laughs> hey, um, guys, I'm really curious about the groups that I guess didn't naturally eat lots of crickets or, or weren't, um, you know, that was, they weren't conducive to swapping straight over to to having uh, any sort of bugs in their diet. You know, did you find any strategies that worked? And and what did you find in the difference between the groups in Africa who didn't traditionally eat crickets versus when you tried to bring it in in the UK? You know, whether was there any crossover in terms of strategies that worked to help get people to take this up more? So in, a, in our first project, we mo- mostly focused on just a community that already eats insects and eats insects and just gathers, sorry, in the first project, we just focused on the community that already eats insects and gathered information about the perceptions of others. But it's only in the second project that we will work across groups and work on changing the perception but we have talked to people that, for example, worked in the south of Benin um, and that had engaged with... Uh, similarly, there's in the south of Benin, there's groups that eat insects and groups that don't. So in the south, uh, some researchers had already done a few... Exper- you know, just tried out um, different ways of engaging the communities that don't eat insects. And they said that one of the most successful ways is quite similar to what we do here, which is just to get people to try them just to do an event where the first reaction is usually to think, Oh my gosh, what, what is this? Oh, insects. No, I can't do that. But you know, you gather an enthusiasm and people come to see, and then you have the opportunity to try some. And then the first brave person tries and then other people are intrigued. And you know, if the, the, if the insects or if the recipe that you do with insects is good, then people will, will recognize that. So you know, I think maybe the formats might have been a bit different in Benin than, you know, our, our science fairs here. But the main way to get to, you know, to to have people change their, their perception is to literally convince them that it's good by trying. Yeah, I so agree with that. I was um, one of these wussy people that was a bit nervous about it. And um, I tried um, some crickets when we were in Cambodia and I, I didn't die. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we recently got sent some uh, crickets um, from Primal Collective and um, we tried them and there's a, a video of us somewhere flirting around with me pulling faces. But <laughs> once again, um, I didn't die and, and they're actually very 
doable. And I was really interested. Um, I've been trolling your Facebook page, Bugs for Life, <laughs> and um, you actually have um, freshly prepared mealworm canapes, and they look pretty fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I might ask you both, what are your top three most creative ways to um, prepare or eat bugs? Good one. So we just had an event this weekend uh, in Scotland where we were at a science fair and we had uh, four insect recipes um, that we had little tasters for these four recipes. And we also had some, we, we also tried to bring some dried insects that people can literally just try an insect because some people want to do that too. Some people want to like go for something a bit more daring and just try an actual insect and they're curious about what it tastes like yeah. by itself. But in terms of recipes, I think probably um, one that we've uh, we've done uh, several times now is yes, these little canapes you were talking about. So the bottom part is um, is just uh, bread, and then on top of that, you have um, a mix that's made out of mealworms, uh, nuts, so walnuts and mushroom, rosemary and thyme, and it's all mixed together and cooked. And then on top of that, you have uh, apple and beetroot relish. So that's that's one of them. Those that's are the canapes. That's cheeky. Yeah. It's, it's like hiding vegetables in kids' food. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's, I, I quite like that one because some people like to see insects and some people don't. And in this one, uh, you can see them, but if you look quite co- closely, so you can kind of trick yourself into thinking they're not there. But if you really want to see them, you still can. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's one of them. We usually try to have a mix of somewhere you can really see the insects and somewhere you can't. Another thing we had uh, was um, uh, fritters. Those were really good. They were slightly spicy. So it was just kind of a, a, a well a dough uh, with uh, spi- some spices inside, so some chilies, uh, some onions, and then you just fry them and you can have them with a little dip. So that was really successful. It was really tasty. And, and of course, and mealworms <laughs> or crickets. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you can, sometimes you can, you know, you can try different types of insects. Oh. So, so that was another one. And for a sweeter palate, we had, marshmallows topped with chocolate and mealworms but we Get also had town. wow <laughs> <laughs> and the, the but we also had a new recipe which was so successful it was caramelized walnuts and crickets and with uh, lime juice um and uh and coconuts and that was really delicious really really delicious wow I reckon and you haven't you even know. mentioned tequila yet yeah, <laughs> I reckon uh, you'll be able to open your own bug restaurant, like with a menu yeah. like that. Far out! It sounds amazing. <laughs> well, um, yeah, you'll have to come to the UK and try out our bug recipes. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I'm this excited about trying yeah, it. Like I'm actually it. a little bit shocked, <laughs> but that's a good thing. So um, we really appreciate um, your time, Mariangela and Rudy. It's certainly been really interesting getting to learn a little bit more about um, your project and. And uh, the outcomes that you're, you're wanting to achieve there. And I know that we can follow Bugs for Life on Facebook. Um, Rudy, how else can people support you or learn more about your project? Okay, so the first thing I guess to say to anybody is the best way that you can support us is by talking to people about eating insects mm. and getting people to eat insects themselves. But of course, you can find more information about our work at, as you say, our Facebook page, which just search Bugs for Life in Facebook. Uh, but also we have a website, which is www.bugsforlife.com. 
Uh, and then we also have a, a presence on Twitter where we've been active in a few forums around uh, edible insects uh, in, the, in the Western diet. Um, and then also we, uh, you can Google us and find uh, our old Indiegogo pages to look at sort of the history of our projects. And then also we aim to make all of our outputs publicly available. So any report we produce, we will make available online uh, via the Scribd website. And then also uh, our videos are available both on YouTube and also everything is available mainly through our website. Fantastic. Um, Well, Mariangela, Rudy, thank you both so much for taking time out and having a chat. Well, thank you very much for it the opportunity it's been oh. fantastic to have a bit of a dialogue even though it's all the way across the other side of the world <laughs> <laughs> no we really enjoy it and um you know it's an important message to get out there so we certainly wish you all the best with the project and we're really excited um for you to keep in touch and, and let us know how you go with it all as well oh, okay well thank you very much and uh yeah keep your eyes on our websites and ho- hopefully uh the project will take off uh this coming june Ah, super. Well, until next week, head over to our website, thatpaleoshow.com, to tell us what you think. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram, share your story, and help to grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. If you're loving the Wellness Couch podcast, then you'll absolutely love our special once-only free four-part webinar series starting Thursday, October 30. Join me and my Wellness Guys co-host plus Marcus Pierce from 100 Not Out and Inside the Champion's Mind as we dive deep into the hot topics of wellness over four consecutive weeks. Brett Hill will kick us off by showing you how to be fab and fit in five. I'll be presenting What the F and discussing the big bad F words when it comes to food. Lawrence Tam will leave you inspired with a magnificent mindset and MP will reveal his 10-step formula to mastering your life. These webinars are absolutely free and they go for an hour each and they take place every Thursday night from October 30 until November 20. To get access, you must sign up. So simply go to www.thewellnesscouch.com or check out The Wellness Couch on Facebook. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.